three years ago, the CEO and I were talking and he said, you know, meetings really suck. And I said, well, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. How many of your key employees, how many of your managers have you trained on how to run meetings? He goes, uh, probably none. And I said, okay, how many of your employees have you ever trained on how to show up to meetings, how to participate in meetings, how to show up at a webinar or show up on a Zoom call? He goes, yeah, none. And I said, well, then maybe meetings don't suck after all. Maybe we suck at running meetings. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have the one and only Cameron Harold with me, and he's known as the CEO Whisperer, and I want to give him a chance to explain a little more about what that means. So Cameron, thank you so much for being here on the show. Hey, Jason. It's great catching up again. So what does this mean, CEO Whisperer? Yeah, the CEO Whisperer title was given to me about three years ago by the publisher of Forbes magazine. Rich Carlgaard had seen me speak a number of times and recognized that I had been playing a role as a second in command a number of times to CEOs and had often been sitting in the background coaching CEOs of real businesses. The world's kind of littered with coaches, but I've coached a monarchy. I coached the CEO and the second command at Sprint, a number of $100 million technology companies. So he recognized that I was always sitting in the background, whispering in the CEO's ear, teaching them how to grow very, very successful, high growth, amazing culture companies. And he just kind of gave me that moniker and it stuck. I love it. And I know we've known each other over the years. And one of the things I know that really is something that you use as a staple that's been mentioned before is this whole experience you had behind 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And you really were a pivotal person within that enterprise to help it scale to the size that it was. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I was in a mastermind group called EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. And I had joined the Entrepreneurs Organization, had built a couple of companies and one of the guys who joined our forum was a guy named Brian Scudamore, who started, it was called the Rubbish Boys at the time. And he joined and I was always sitting there growing a company. And he watched me growing my companies. And when I left one of the companies that we just exited, he asked me if I would come on and coach him. And I started coaching him behind the scenes. And then he said, you know, I can't do anything that you're teaching me. Would you join me full time? And I joined as the 14th employee, came on as the chief operating officer. And when I left six and a half years later, we had 3,100 employees system wide. We'd gone from 2 million to 106 million. We had no debt. We gave up no equity. And we ranked as the number two company in all of Canada to work for. So I think it was during that stage, people started to recognize the company 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We also landed 5,200 stories about our company in six years before social media even existed. And they recognized that I was not only key in doing it, but it was also the fourth company that I'd done it with. I think the mark that I left was, geez, I've done it, but I'd also done it a couple of times before. I left there. 13 years ago now, it'll be 13 years this spring that I left and I've been coaching CEOs worldwide ever since. Love it. Some of the most remarkable work that I'm aware of yours is things like Double Double, Free PR, which you've done in collaboration with Adrian Salamunovic. But I know in this episode, what we want to focus on for everybody listening is really about this amazing book called Meetings Suck. And for people listening, you know, we're in the workplace, we're doing various things. And as you can see, Cameron not only was able to bring massive success within a company when it comes to looking and being very deliberate about managing the operations within a company, we really want to make this episode focus on what can we do as an individuals within 
the operations that exist on a day-to-day basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, annual basis of the one activity that happens within all companies. And there seems to be this general consensus that they suck among the people. And so with that, Cameron, tell us more about why did you choose the title Meetings Suck? And why is it that we feel so dreadful about these meetings when they're supposed to be something that gives us more power, more awareness within the company? Okay, I promise to keep this focused on meeting suck, but I have to give you huge kudos for pronouncing the name of my co-author of Free PR, Adrian Solomonovic's name perfectly. I always struggle with it and we joke about it and you crushed it. I'm like, dude, well done. He's a client that I used to coach. That's how I met him was I coached Adrian 10 or 11 years ago and even taught him the meeting structure. So the meeting suck book came from a client that I've been coaching for six years. They've gone from 40 employees up to 700 employees. 18 months ago, they raised $255 million from Warburg Pincus, massive, massive raise. And I still coach them to this day. Well, three years ago, the CEO and I were talking and he said, you know, meetings really suck. And I said, well, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. How many of your key employees, how many of your managers have you trained on how to run meetings? He goes, "Uh, probably none. And I said, okay, how many of your employees have you ever trained on how to show up to meetings, how to participate in meetings, how to show up at a webinar or show up on a Zoom call? He goes, yeah, none. And I said, well, then maybe meetings don't suck after all. Maybe we suck at running meetings. And he kind of laughed about it. And I said, what we really need to do is solve the root problem. And incidentally, about nine months ago, Elon Musk and Elon's brother used to work for me back in 1993. I hired Kimball Musk, his cousin who built SolarCity. They both worked for me 25 years ago. So Elon went up public and he said, you know, if you're in a shitty meeting, stand up and walk out of the meeting. So I sent him a text and I'm like, dude, you're not fixing the root problem. You have to fix the meeting. Don't tell people to leave meetings, fix them so they're no longer in shitty meetings. So the whole purpose for writing the book Meetings Suck was so that every employee at every company would read the book and understand how to attend meetings, how to participate in meetings, and how to run them if they were the leader of the meetings. So that was the entire purpose for running it. When I look at my history in the corporate workspace, like I went through a lot of those meetings. This is something that happens all the time. It seems like it's that consensus. They feel like they're dragging. People don't show up on time. Is it that we just never thought about the fact that it's a skill that we need to develop? And what are these key things that we're missing? Yeah, most companies never actually train their management team on the core skills. They don't train them on email management. Like, have you ever been trained on email management? No. And you deal with emails every day. Have you been trained on time management, interviewing, selection, coaching, delegation, problem solving, situational leadership, running meetings? No. So here we have all these managers who have never been trained on how to actually manage or lead. And it's no wonder that companies bumble along at 7% growth is because they don't know what they're doing. The reason we got 100% revenue growth six consecutive years in a row without giving up equity, without taking on any debt, was we trained people how to grow a very fast growing company and then kept them hyper-focused and then we got out of their way. So I'll give you some of the core skills or basics around running effective meetings. And first off, a meeting by definition for me is anytime two or more people are on video, on the phone, or in person to discuss something and move it forward. So we're effectively in a meeting right now. You and I are on a podcast. We're talking to each other. People can hear us later. We showed up on time. We have to get through some stuff and we have to finish on time. So here are the basics. Start every meeting on time. Now, the reason people show up late for meetings is they tend to have everything back to back. In fact, if you look at your calendar, whatever time this is scheduled to end, I assure you, you have a meeting starting one minute later. The only way to actually be on time for the next thing 
is to finish every meeting or finish every phone call five minutes early. So if you go from nine o'clock till 10 o'clock, you finish at 9.55, it gives you time to walk down the hall, talk to your assistant, get a cup of coffee, go to the bathroom, check a couple of emails, sit down and start exactly on time. So I treat meetings like an Olympic race. You know, you would never see an Olympic swimmer running out onto the pool deck right at nine o'clock for a nine o'clock start saying, sorry, I'm late for the race. What the, you wouldn't do that. So you always show up five minutes early, you get in the zone. So my whole saying is if you're not five minutes early, you're late, finish every meeting five minutes early. And that gives you time to show up on time. Second thing that I do is I always book meetings for half the time I first think about booking them for. You know, you can get it done in a day. It's like a quickie. You can get it done in less time if you need to. But you could get together for a whole day to talk about something, or you could book it for four hours. So let's say that you and I were going to sit down and talk about a course that we could develop for Mind Valley together. We could say, let's talk for an hour, but let's book it for 30 minutes. We'll start faster. We'll get more focus. We'll get rid of the kind of casual chatter. We can talk as friends later after we get our shit done, but it's about getting stuff done. So start on time, stop on time. And then I have a rule of no agenda, no attenda, right? If I don't know what we're covering, in what order I'm covering it, and how many minutes I'm going to spend on each agenda item, I'm not going to say yes to attending that meeting. So you allow your employees to opt out of a meeting unless they know the purpose, outcome, and agenda. The purpose is one sentence. Why are we having it? Outcome a maximum of three. And then the agenda is what are you covering, in what order, and how many minutes on each. This is one thing I want to just dive a bit more about the first element, which is this whole starting the meeting, being there five minutes early and finishing it five minutes early. One of the things that I find most annoying in meetings is that, you know, I've had those times where I showed up possibly five minutes early and I'll give a caveat. I've been the other person as well. But in the sake of this example, let's say I'm the person who's five minutes early, but a key person that needs to participate in that meeting. And traditionally, it'll be someone of a more senior tenure ends up showing five, 10 minutes late. Start the meeting start the meeting. And then as soon as they walk in and say, sorry, I'm late, teach every employee. And I want you to teach Kay this. And I want you to teach Vision this. I want you to teach your entire leadership team this and teach every employee this one saying, when you say, sorry, I'm late, what you're really saying is, F you, I'm disrespectful. I think my time is more valuable than yours. You teach them all that. The last thing they will say is, sorry, I'm late because they'll realize that everybody knows that they're being selfish with their time. Here's the next thing that I do in meetings that's very powerful, and this includes the CEO, COO, and everybody else. When you walk into a meeting with your phone, you put it down at the door, either in a bowl or on a table or on the floor beside the door, you sit down and you focus on the meeting. If you're too busy to be present in that meeting, that means you have other pressing things, go do them. But we're gonna be like Navy SEALs. We're going to do one thing. You know, you would never watch an American football game and watch the kicker come out on the field with their cell phone. They're out, they kick, they go back to the bench, they can look at their phone. You know, you do your one thing. And if you're too busy to do that thing, that means go do your other thing. We have to treat every single one of our employees like Navy SEALs. They have a job. They have to be completely maniacally focused on the job. And if they're not, that means they're too busy to do other things. Go do the other things. We only have three resources, people, time, and money. Let's allocate them to get the highest ROI. So teach the CEO, look, if you're in this 10-minute meeting or half-hour meeting or one-hour meeting and you can't be completely focused, don't come. We got it. Nobody gets a special opt-out of this. Nobody gets a special pass. And that's why I want every employee at every company to read the book 
because every employee spends one to two hours a day on phone calls, on Zoom or in meetings, they'll start leading up, they'll start managing sideways, they'll start leading down. It has a huge payback in your company. And you know, it's very tangible to see how this actually have a ripple effect on the cost too. I mean, if every time you wait 10 minutes and you got 10 people in the room, you're basically accumulating 100 minutes that are being lost of productivity. It's also massive disrespect. If I'm sitting in a meeting on time and people are showing up late, that's a huge fuck you. It's just wrong. And imagine if you're doing this to your customers, your suppliers, or potential employees, it's sending out a massive ripple effect. So I learned this back at College Pro Painters. College Pro was the largest residential house painting company in the world. I helped build it. It's when I hired Kimball Musk and Peter Reeve, who built Solar City. We had to have these highly effective meetings to scale the company really, really quickly. One of the things we had our core values, they were deliver what you promise, respect the individual, pride in all you do. Showing up late for a meeting, you broke three of the three core values. We only had three. Showing up late for a meeting, respect the individual, that didn't. Pride in all you do, that wasn't. Keep your commitments, that wasn't. That's just not okay. So what happens inside of companies is we end up making it okay for some reason. So then it just spins off all this negative. You either live your core values or you don't, period. And I could even see it that when you see somebody, let's say a leadership position that is late for a meeting, it kind of gives permission to everybody else to understand that that's the rule of how the company works, which just has negative trickle effects around everything. It also sends a massive negative butterfly effect through the organization that they think they're all good and everybody else sucks. They think they're more important. It's just a bad signal. So it's really slowing down to say, how do we delegate everything except genius? And this is the stuff that I coach companies on, right? Like this is why, you know, the world's littered with all these coaches, but I coach real companies that really want to scale, that really want good cultures. And I call the CEO out on it. I'll be like, look, just because you have 500 employees doesn't give you a hall pass to be an asshole. Because that's sending a negative ripple effect and it's your company. You can do it if you want to, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you because behind the scenes, they talk about you. Behind the scenes, they make jokes about you. Like you can even hear it in my voice and my tone, right? It's this hard, negative, frustrating energy. But when you fix that, it changes. And it's all about like that quantum mechanics, quantum physics of sending out positive waves. I love it. Now, it seems to me also that one of the root causes is almost like understanding how important the meeting is. And that third element you were talking about, having that purpose. Can you tell us a little bit more about how to structure this intention? Well, it is, but it's also, we actually dug into the root cause of people showing up late for meetings. The reason people show up late is they tend to be back to back. So they're only showing up late because their phone call just finished on time. If you have a phone call from eight until nine, you can't be on time down the hall at nine o'clock. It's impossible because you're running down the hall from a meeting that ended on time. So the way you fix it is you finish every meeting, you finish every phone call five minutes early. This we talked about, and then in theory, seems very practical, but I've been in meetings where it's like, oh my God, but we're on this idea and now it keeps going. Like you're saying hard stop it. Hard stop, have those employees read Meeting Suck? Like if you're not gonna spend $15 for the employee to read Meeting Suck, why are you paying them $60,000 a year to come to work? Spend $15 and train them and then they won't allow a meeting to go on. So as an example, I have a hard stop at the top of the hour, which means we're finishing five minutes early because I have a call with my marketing team that starts at the top of the hour. And then I'm done with them at 1025 because I have a 1030 podcast that I'm on. So everything for me finishes five minutes early and my clients all know that it's about respect the individual, deliver what you promise. And they're like, man, Cameron lives his core values. Living that core value sends the positive example. And now we're basically you know, like, pick up that book. We're already sharing some amazing systems here. First, you have to understand how positively impactful it is to actually invest in training everybody into understanding the value of these meetings. Now, 
we talked about that agenda, right? That core things that needs to be done, setting up the purpose, having that kind of objectives that need to be done in the meetings. Can you break that down again and go into a bit more details here? Before I'm allowed to book or ask people to attend a meeting, you have three things. A purpose. What's the one sentence? Why are we running the meeting? We decided our purpose for this is to only talk about meeting suck. Cool. What are the outcomes? Well, in our meeting, we're going to talk about you know, the core basics of how to run meetings, the core basics of how to attend meetings, and maybe even what meetings you need to run a highly successful company. Cool. And then what's the agenda? Well, we've got 30 minutes. We'll do an intro. We'll do this. We'll do that. And we know how many minutes on each. The reason you want to know how many minutes on each agenda item is so that people don't go down a rabbit hole to talk about something for 12 minutes that was only supposed to be a two minutes. So that's why you outline it that way. The next level of best practice, and I cover this in detail in the book Meeting Suck, is for each agenda item, talk about what style of communication is being used. And there's only three styles of communication. Info share, which is information being shared, either top down, bottom up, or lateral. So there's no discussion, no debate, one person talking. Or creative discussion, where you're brainstorming, blue sky, chatting about some stuff. Or consensus decision, where you're going to talk about it, debate, discuss, look at the facts, and then make a decision as a team and walk out of the room with consensus. People need to know for each agenda item, what's the style of communication? And then they're really clear. Like you said, some companies do it, but most people and companies aren't even aware that these are the levels of sophistication that you can get to about running a meeting. Most companies are horribly average. Most companies are horribly average, which is fine, but that's why they get 7% growth a year. Mm, and we can do so much more. And even if you talk about an individual who's looking to push themselves to a level of excellence as an individual to rise in their career progression, you're talking about building the ethics and having an understanding that they can actually be the champion to drive into the organization. Have you seen a lot of these individuals within a company be the ones to push the meeting suck? And what are the best ways to kind of push it forward? Yeah, and I talk about that in Double Double that I only really want to hire people at every role in the company that are strong leaders. So I, I want a payroll clerk who can put their hand up and say, I disagree with the VP. I want people who lead up in an organization, who take charge, who speak up, who have confidence. So you hire for that. So yeah, when you actually start training people like in meetings and you get every employee to read the book, Meetings Suck, and you get them to come in and do a five-minute book report to their team. So they discuss what they liked from the book to make sure that they're sharing their reflective observation with their team. They feel like, wow, you've just invested in me. That's powerful stuff. I have clients that book me to do webinars with their team for a one-hour webinar on the book Meeting Suck. So they read the book in advance. I do some skill development on the book Meeting Suck, and then we do a Q&A on it. That's big leverage for the team. And they go, wow, we just got this thought leader that actually cares about us and cares about our role. You know, all of those things pay huge dividends and big ripple effects in the company. Love it. So we're talking about once you start embracing these methodologies, listen, the productivity within the company is going to go up. You're bringing these ideas forward. It's actually going to give you a massive way of actually training the organization, shifting an element of the culture that's actually toxic to the environment. And you can push this forward by getting the book, getting people to discuss about it, share this podcast, get people to talk about it. And what I wanted to do now is pivot into some of the greatest topics that you speak about, which is about these types of meetings that are essential for the organization to function. And I know you have a few key meetings that you think every organization should have, and I wanted to dive more into that. Yeah, I was just talking to one of my guests. I run a podcast called the Second in Command Podcast, and we were talking offline about the kinds of meetings that work inside their organization, and they tend to be very similar. So the core meetings that every company needs, let's say that you're a company of 10 to you know 100 employees or from maybe 10 to 500 employees. So these meetings work for all of those. The first one is an annual planning meeting. This is when the company sits down 
and plans out their five core goals for the year and how they're going to make those goals happen. So the goals are employee net promoter score, customer net promoter score, profit and revenue in that order, and then your strategic thrust. My most important goal is always the employee net promoter score. So you have your annual planning meeting, then you have your quarterly planning meeting where you press reset on the plan and make sure that you're realigned for that quarter. Again, the same core goals, the same project outline. Then you want your financial reviews. Every month, the leadership team to review the financials, look at the cash flow pro forma and make decisions based on the financials. You also want to have your strategic thinking meeting. This is not strategic planning. Strategic thinking meeting is talking about stuff that's at least 12 months out on the calendar to think strategically about what you might be able to do in a company. And most companies never plan time for strategy. They call it strategic planning. It's business planning and strategic thinking. They're two very different things. Strategy is about talking about stuff. Planning is about figuring out how to make it happen. Then we do our business review. So each business area does an update to the rest of the company once a month. It's called our business area review. And they get asked questions by the other business areas to make sure that everybody's aligned and working on the right stuff and challenging and raising the bar. We then have our weekly leadership team meeting, call it our war meeting. That's when the leadership team updates each other on what they're working on, reviews the dashboards and KPIs together, and then helps unstick people on the areas that they're stuck. You have your weekly one-on-one coaching meetings. That's when a leader will actually coach their direct reports to help remove obstacles, align them, and raise their skill level. And then you have your daily huddle. That's kind of the burn harness or scaling up daily huddle idea. And I have everyone doing a seven-minute all-company stand-up meeting at 11 o'clock in the morning. Those are the basics. And I outline each of those in detail in the book Meeting Suck as well. And this at least gives everybody an idea of what are the things that you can do. And all of them have specific purposes, which is the key of what we're talking about here. I know at Valley, these are all the things that we've started implementing more and more, being so much more intentional about these cadence of meetings. And one of the big ones that we've implemented very early on as a habit was this daily huddle, which just allows everybody to kind of sync up. And of course, the leadership team having that war meeting. How did you name that? War meeting, weekly action review. There you go. So weekly action review. I know that happens always within Mindvalley so that everybody's clear. All these roadblocks gets alleviated. And it's just a predictable cadence of things that can happen so that big rocks get moved forward. You put your meeting rhythms, all of your meetings get put into your calendar for a year in advance for all employees. And then you plan the rest of your work around them. And by putting the meetings into the calendar year in advance and planning the rest of your work around them, it happens on that basic rhythm. Got it. So I'll ask a very specific question here, which is, is there a preference on certain days of the week that you have these meetings on the ones that happen on a weekly basis? And should you be stacking a day of meetings or should you be spreading it out? Yeah, I stack them. I do all of the leadership team meetings and the one-on-one coaching meetings on Mondays. I do the strategy meetings and the financial reviews monthly on Thursdays, but I tend to run the leadership team meetings and the coaching meetings on Monday. This is super fascinating. This is things that people can take home and start implementing. Let's say you're in an organization and you realize that, okay, this is not going good. Obviously, people need to pick up the book and get started. But should you be actually scheduling a kickoff meeting about how you want to be better at meetings? Is that a strategy? I like doing one book a quarter. So I take a skill. Let's say that we were going to have meetings as a skill. I would have all the employees read the book Meetings Suck in the first month. Maybe I would have them all do a book report at a lunch and learn in the second month. So they would come in and present on what they learned from the book meeting suck to each other. And maybe on the third month, I would book someone like me to do a webinar with the company so they get more Q&A time and more kind of reflexive observation and to talk about it. And then second quarter, we might do something around interviewing. So we might read the book who and we might, you know what I mean? So each quarter I pick a skill and I go deep on that skill so that people learn it and practice it and think about it and talk about it. And then second quarter, another skill. 
Beautiful. So now you kind of have this cadence of learning in the process, not only baked into learning about meetings, but this is something you can continuously grow. Cameron, as we come towards the end here, I wanted to end with kind of a bit of an idea of where do you see the future of these organizations that embrace this meeting cadence? How do you see them perform differently from the companies that don't decide to invest in these skills and the other skills that are really essential to management? What do you think is going to happen to the companies who just don't want to do these kinds of meetings at such a precise and very structured way. Well, I've coached the number one company to work for in Canada, two of the number one companies to work for in Australia. I coached the current number two and number 12 companies to work for on Glassdoor in the United States. The best companies to work for, the fastest growing companies, have these meeting rhythms in place. They have these cadences. The rest of them are just kind of, they're always trying to manage people and hold them accountable and fighting fires and you can kind of do that or you can be very rhythmic and very strategic and then it's like a pulse, right? It's like a golfer who has the same swing, that same cadence. They work on getting that swing down. It's a rhythm that you get into and that rhythm becomes more predictable and then it removes stress. It removes the frustration for employees and allows them to just scale. Love it. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Cameron Harold. We talk about all these powerful tools on how to use meetings. They don't suck. We just suck at running meetings. So you've got some powerful techniques that you can start applying in the way your current meetings are happening. And you have a list of powerful meetings you can add to the calendars if you're not doing them already that are very predictable, that are very organized, and that will allow you to operate the business more effectively. If you're listening to this in a leadership position, Get to learn about these methods. Buy the book, Meeting Suck. Give it to everyone on your team and bring this methodology within the culture. And if you are someone who's an employee within a team that you see this as something dysfunctional, be the champion to bring this into your organization. Suggest it to your team leaders. Suggest it to the managers. Start showing up with the right attitudes and sharing this podcast, getting this message out. Because once we fix this critical part of organizing our business and operating our businesses, you start seeing that effectiveness goes up, productivity goes up, and everyone's just more happy about the process of getting things done in the workplace without an overburden of meetings and while doing them the correct way. Cameron, thank you so much for your time. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hey, Jason, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.